Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Slate House Property Management. Slate House manages over 3,500 units across the Mid-Atlantic, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Property management is sure not the sexiest industry, but what makes Slighthouse unique is it was founded by investors and engineers. Slighthouse has built or licensed over 12 different technologies to improve returns for investors and make better living experiences for tenants. Full-time maintenance guys help work get done quicker at a reasonable price. Slighthouse manages properties for many of the guests on this show and has helped them scale their business while they focus on acquiring properties. For more information, go to slatehousegroup.com, call 717-413-6976, or email service at slatehousegroup.com. Look forward to talking to you. Welcome to another um, episode of the Real Estate Hackers Podcast. I am super excited here. Got Ray Hespin the CEO and founder of Property Meld with us today. Just a super, super awesome, innovative product and an innovative guy. Ray, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Chad. Appreciate it. Cool. So, uh, Ray, why don't you just maybe start off with, um, you know, how did you kind of get into this space of basically ma- online maintenance coordination uh, for kind of rental properties. Yeah. So, so I'm actually a co-founder and I have to say that because I wasn't, I wasn't the one that actually had the epiphany, right? Uh, I, I pride myself on seeing a good idea. And, uh, so my co-founder, David Kingman, he was, uh, one day he was at a rental property and, uh, we both moved around a lot for our, our corporate, uh, careers. And he called me up one day and he said, Ray, is it always terrible to have repairs done on your rental? And he gave me an example of how you know he submitted it online, but um, he was just trying to get a hold of people to figure out what was going on with his repair. Nobody's calling him back when he does finally get a hold of somebody. Um, they don't know what's going on. They're calling the maintenance person to find out. Still don't hear anything. Getting called from weird numbers, and it ended up just being like this huge mess. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, like man, this is like this. This is in 2013. He's like, man, this this sucks. So. Um, so anyways, I was like, yeah, it's been, uh, been the same for me and I've moved around a lot as well. And so I, uh, I talked, to, I talked to about 25 different property manager management firms at the time. And I just listened to their process and I'm like, man, there's, there's ways to, to significantly reduce the workload while making that renter experience, um, super incredible. So, so, so you, you were, you were a property manager or you, you owned some properties. Is that right? No, or, I, uh, 
<laughs> I'm actually I used to be in uh, I used to be operations, so manufacturing. Okay. Yeah, and if you can imagine uh, being in the construction materials specifically, I was I started in that career in 2009 uh, up until I left for property melt. Uh, it's not. It wasn't a fun place. Just like in the real estate market, it wasn't a fun place to be. And so uh, I always learned like how to basically maximize um, output uh, with reduced, you know, re reduced uh, uh, basically labor and uh, and things like that while while keeping a very high level of quality. So my background's actually in operations, but uh, I'm super process driven guy. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So uh, so. Uh, so now you're you, you built this product property meld why don't you give you know for some folks who have maybe never used it before maybe just kind of a, a brief background of what property meld does to kind of improve online kind of maintenance coordination yeah so <clears throat> so maintenance coordination is super difficult right um, when you have service issues come in uh, you have to troubleshoot them even if you get them in online um, you have to run through to make sure that it's not something silly like a garbage disposal or they didn't switch the thermostat from heat to cool, um, flipping a breaker. So there's troubleshooting that happens. That's a phone call. Um, you dispatch it to somebody, um, whether it be technicians or a third-party vendor, and uh, then you're responsible for following up. Um, every 24, 48 hours, you got to follow up. Did they get a hold of the renter? Um, when's it scheduled? When is it completed? And is the renter happy? <clears throat> All those things are super important because we know uh, that 31% of uh, leases churn because of poor maintenance. <laughs> and so, uh, so basically what Property Melt does is we automate a lot of those steps. And so it makes troubleshooting super efficient, super effective, more importantly. Um, and then when you dispatch it, it'll, it, the system will actually schedule it very quickly. Um, it'll follow up, ensure it gets done, and ensure the renter's happy. Um, with, with significantly less workload and, and creates a phenomenal experience for the renter as well. That's awesome. I, I, so I love that data point you, you, you uh, mentioned. Did you guys do like a survey or where did the data come from that, that said about roughly a third of uh, tenants leave due to maintenance problems? Yeah, I believe it was, I believe it was Kingsley and it, that was pulled from multifamily. So they did uh, a lot of exit surveys every time they turn. They say, what are the reasons you're leaving? Everything like that. Uh, maintenance uh, is the only operationally driven one, uh, is, is the highest operationally driven one that reason that they churn. The only other reason that renters churn uh, at a higher rate is due to rent price. So if they get priced out of their own, and I mean, that's condition of the market and that's right. not always a bad thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but maintenance, man, it's, uh, it's a big deal because not only do you sit there, obviously, and... Uh, you know, have them churn, but I mean, now you got to do a move out inspection. Now you've got to clean the unit, perform repairs, um, make it market ready, do a deposit fight, uh, <clears throat> you know, move, you know, market it, show it, and then yeah, release yeah. it. So it's not just your missing rent roll, it's all that other costly stuff in between. So it's just really good business practice. And to throw another stat out, Chad, the number of people that renewed their lease. Um, list 46% of them listed the maintenance service and quality as, as a reason. reason they renewed. That's great, man. <clears throat> yeah. It's, I mean, it, it makes sense. I don't, I don't, I think oftentimes landlords don't think about it, but it makes sense that if you, if you get maintenance done in a fast amount of time, I mean, the average person doesn't want to move, <laughs> right? It's not like someone's like, Oh man, I just, I really want to 
pack up my bags and move apartments today, you know? <laughs> so. No, and you know, you even think about how the market has shifted even in like the last 10 years. Um, you follow the trend, Zillow had a great report. Um, uh, Fannie Mae, I think it was, had a, had a great report. Basically, like people are moving because they want to move. Like, you know, you can't ever have a, a report without dropping the M word, right? The millennial uh, is the number one renter in uh, America today. And they're not living there because they've got bad credit and can't afford to buy a home. They're living there because they want to go out. They want to uh, enjoy life, have experiences. They don't want to deal with homeowner issues. Yeah. And so the problem is if you create a pretty uncompelling um, reason Product. why they're there, um, they're going to leave. And it's, it's super costly to have churns. I mean, right. um, you want to, you want to maximize the return on your investment. You have to have like a really solid uh, maintenance. So operation. talk me through, I mean, I, I, uh, I have to imagine that you have some staggering data on, you know, just a lot of, you're seeing a lot of maintenance requests come through. Uh, I, I can't even imagine how many maintenance requests you see in a given month or whatever. Right? Maybe you have it, but it's, it's, it's probably a big number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big number. And, and the data is really interesting. So you, so if you want to know the number one way to uh, lose a renter, in maintenance and this is we've we've studied the information in here um, <clears throat> take a long time to do the repair and uh, so we have we have data that shows that you have a certain amount of time um, if it's an HVAC you have a, a certain number of days it's three and a half days um, before you're you're gonna have a bad experience renter will be upset you have four and a half days if it's um, a plumbing issue you have five days if it's electrical and so if you're sitting there and you're one of those people that sits there and goes hey like I'm gonna find. I'm gonna save thirty bucks. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna have my guy go down to Home Depot, really price shop me around. Like that thirty bucks you save might cost you a churned lease, which is gonna be thousands. So it's interesting. So, so basically, you're saying if a, you know, different types of problems have different expectations of when something might get fixed. Yeah, and I mean it. It it, it anecdotally makes sense too, right? Like if the AC doesn't work in your unit. Like, you know, it's like, oh, like you notice it every day, every minute you're home <clears throat> where if something's dripping in a faucet, like it's annoying or frustrating um, right. or if there's a particular outlet that's out, it's not going to change the world. So, but there's a certain point where it feels like you're being neglected too, right? <clears throat> you know, yeah. after you cross the threshold, it's like, hey, like they came out, if they're not taking care of me, it's like, man, I could have, I could have hired somebody on a freaking, you know, Angie's list, had them come out, knock it out and I'd be done and happy. And right. that's how you're competing. You're competing. You're competing against the consumer market. And yeah. so that's why it's super important to be very diligent and very efficient and very fast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting for a business to start to think about standards like you just have. I mean, I think as like as a landlord or as an investor, mm -hmm. you know, if a, if a, a plumbing issue comes up, I think you said four days was roughly the number. I think you said, uh, Four and a half, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to almost put that as like the standard, uh, of like a goal of, you know, from when the issue is reported, can we have that plumbing issue repaired in four and a half days? Uh, I mean, those are, those are some, you know, uh, some high standards, I think, but, but, but good is that, you, you know, the same way any, I mean, investors have metrics for their business, which are things like ROI and vacancy uh, but I don't often hear investors talk about metrics like how fast maintenance is resolved, right? And that's why it's super important to have like <clears throat> a measurable process in your organization, whether you're a landlord or a property management firm, 
because if you don't measure that, it'll impact your NOI, right? Or your ROI. <clears throat> your ROI is the key metric that an investor cares about. So what are the, what are the contributing uh, factors that lead to ROI? I can tell you what, churn is one of them. You know, you talk about vacancy rate churn, same thing. And what things can you control in that realm that'll impact that? Yeah. You know, maintenance costs, churn also impacts that because now you got to repair, do something at a year that you could have potentially done every three or four years. Yeah. And so, so you know, you're 100% right. Like if you don't, if you care about that number, you need to care about that particular segment of your business because it's going to affect your ROI in probably the largest way um, you have control over. What do you see are the hardest maintenance requests to get done in a timely manner? And, and, and is that, is it a certain kind of request or is it like a certain request during a certain time of year that are tough or, you know, is there some like, you know, some of these things kind of come together. I mean, I imagine like frozen pipes in the Northeast, right? It's like, there's only so much you can do and there's a shortage of plumbers. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and preventative, and, and let's just exclude like preventative programs. Like, um, you know, obviously those are super important, but let's just take like reactive very standard stuff. <clears throat> reactive stuff. So, so May, for example, so if you live in the southern part of the, the United States, um, you're going to see over a 300% increase um, between April and May in HVAC issues. Like you're going to have on average one HVAC issue for every 10 units happening in that one month. Like it's insane. <clears throat> and so preventative programs are really important. And so what happens then is like, the, you know, the, the rental, that rental property is not the only one in town, which means you're going to have a big slow slew of um, HVAC folks that have more work than they know what to do with. Right. And so depending on your relationship with them, um, how high you are on the pecking order is going to greatly impact your time to complete it. Yeah. And uh, contributes to that renter satisfaction. And so do you see this like, like May time frame mm -hmm. where HVAC requests just elongate much more than like the rest of the year? Is that kind yes. of a, a, it's, an intuitive it's, sense, right? Yeah, it's great. So yeah, so when you talk about the timing, we actually get to watch this really interesting and very strong correlation drop in renter satisfaction. So <clears throat> with our platform, uh, we're able to measure, we collect um, feedback on about a third of every service issue. I mean, just the way that we do things, we, we collect feedback from the renter and yeah, we get to watch, we get to watch may happen. And, you know, especially in your Southern States, it drops. And even in the Northern States, um, it elongates. It's not nearly uh, as much, but as you had mentioned in the Northern States, we see during the winter time happen, um, you know, people, people, uh, having frozen pipe issues and stuff or, or it shifts to plumbing um, yeah. more and more. So it's fascinating. It's fascinating. What, uh, I mean, what are some, I guess, pieces of advice that you may have for an investor given all the data that you have at your fingertips on maintenance resolution and, and solving problems and stuff like that. So I, so robust, robust process right? Like um, if you're concerned about ROI, like you losing one renter is going to offset um, any sort of cost savings that you did by using your own, you know, low, low cost vendor that maybe is, you know, super inefficient. They're not very responsive. They're um, you're kind of bottom of the totem pole priority. Um, <clears throat> you might save a few bucks there, but if you're looking at total ROI value, um, it is significantly better 
to have a robust maintenance process. So make sure you have a process or you work with somebody who does have a robust process because that is the biggest money leak um, that there is in this industry right now. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's just so many moving parts, right? It's the, it's the contractor, the tenant, and uh, it's interesting how you talk about process. One thing I, and I'm sure you agree with this, I, I think it's changing in real estate. I mean, real estate used to be dominated by really someone doing something locally, you know, uh, a property management company managing 100 units or an investor who owned 10 units and they were all within the couple block radius of him so that if there was a problem, he'd call mm -hmm. up Jimmy, the, his local plumber who's right there mm -hmm. and, and that was his, his process. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how, and I, 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 I'm, I would assume you would agree with this, but one of my hypotheses is that real estate's actually going to become less local in the years to come because you're going to finally have some of these systematic companies and technologies that allow you to run real estate without being right down the street from the asset you're managing. So, so <clears throat> I, think, I think it's a byproduct. I think, I think you're right. Um, I think the decentralization is going to be a byproduct of companies that run really efficient and high-performing operations, right? Um, so you think about it, companies that use a lot of technology, they use um, things that really, that, that really you get the benefit at scale, mm -hmm. um, that have the great vendor relationships and everything, um, that, that are sending plenty of work uh, or, or they're, they're utilizing uh, you know, lower cost technicians. Um, <clears throat> they're able to centralize some of that while delivering a high performance and making sure to keep operating costs uh, low. But, but so, I mean, the, the tech is essential for that to work, right? It, I mean, if you're managing off an Excel spreadsheet, you just can't do it, right? You, you can't. And you know what? Like the thing is, so this is why a lot of landlords use property management firms is because it's like their, their life often exists doing something else as well, right? And right. so are you somebody, you know, where you have a dedicated resource in like property management firm that says, I'm looking at every service issue after it goes past that three days or four days, I'm sitting there zeroing in on it. Like, <clears throat> you know, somebody who doesn't have a sophisticated system is like, oh, it's been five days. What is happening with that? Checking in um, with the renter who's furious. Nobody's got a hold of them. I mean, it's, 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 having, it's having those rigorous systems and processes and the, that technology element really benefits at scale. Do you find, um, just kind of shift gears a little bit, do you find that tenants have a preferred method of reporting maintenance requests? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who think, and we hear this a lot and the data doesn't necessarily support it, and I'll tell you why, but a lot of people think the personal touch is super important. I, I get, I hear it all the time. I, I need, I need it. I, they'll say, I need a single point of contact. That's, that's what I hear often. Personal touch. No. Like what is the person's problem? The person's problem is they want their HVAC fixed. They don't care. It doesn't matter if you've got a great Southern accent, super charming at five days, they're pissed no matter what. Right. <clears throat> so that personal touch is going to buy you no, no grace. Um, what the data consistently shows is it's all on execution. So there, there studies have been done. Number one preferred method of communication for renters right now is text messaging. Second is email. Third, very distant third, is phone call. <clears throat> so what does that tell you about personal touch? That's the renter saying that. And I think it was last year, 90% um, of pizza orders, which I would say overlaps really highly with the renter, 90% of pizza orders were done via some sort of mobile device um, and not calling. 
So you just see, you just see like every industry in the, in the United States, like the consumer driven experience is self-service, get me what I want, get it quickly. I don't want to talk to anybody. And so maintenance is no different. Um, we see a huge spike um, from companies who go to like more phone call driven. Renters love it. It provides them the transparency they need. It gives them a great avenue to communicate, see what's happening, schedule their own repairs, know what's going on and an ability to provide feedback. And that's, it's what they want. Yeah. That's fascinating. That your, your pizza stat is a good one that 90% of pizzas were ordered from the mobile phone and not, not from someone talking on the phone, I assume, right? Uh, yeah, Mo- mobile, mobile app, mobile-driven app. So either going through the website or downloading the pizza app or like even I think Domino's had ordering on Twitter. And you even think about the pizza ordering experience, like a lot of the providers, like if you do Domino's Pizza Tracker, which has been around for like I think three years, you know when your pizza's in the oven, you know when it's out, you know when somebody's expected the quality, you know when the driver's headed your way. Like it is the level of transparency the consumer expects anymore. And so if you're somebody who's like, just all touch base with them in five days over the phone, it's like, you know, send send me a fax while you're at it. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> so there there is, and it's funny. I was on a panel um, at a, a single family investment uh, uh, forum. And somebody asked the whole personal question thing and said, this is really stupid. As somebody who doesn't know the answer to this, I said, I got a pretty good feeling. But I said, when you're working with like a software provider or something else that has a toll-free line versus live chat or um, ticket, ticket support, who prefers the phone call? Like who will call in? And like probably three or 4% of their hand, like in the room, and it was a big room, a lot of people. And I said, who prefers the digital form of being able to submit it? And the entire room went up and I'm like, so I recognize we're talking to about a bunch of investors here, but you're, you're also consumers in many ways. Right. Of course. And so it's like, you know, so we need to get rid of this notion. People just want it done fast. You know, investors, you know, oftentimes you see one answers quickly. Mm -hmm. They want transparent, like they don't, they don't need somebody, you know, with a great, and I say Southern accent because I love Southern accents, but uh, they No, no, I get it. I get it. It's, it's, it's the analogy of someone local, you know, I get to call Cindy. You have a problem. I, oh, I love calling Cindy. She's the best. Um, you know, but the, the reality is Cindy sometimes is on vacation or she's exactly. sick, right? Or, you know, or, or on a Sunday, she's just not working. But if, yep. if there's an emergency, uh, you know, let's get the issue resolved. You need, you need somebody. And that's, again, why systems and processes are super important. You know, property management firms have coverages. Somebody's gone. There's coverage. There's always somebody going to be able to answer and figure out that solution. Yeah, and if somebody's yeah. an investor or a renter, that's what I want. I want an answer. I don't want to talk to somebody. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Do you, um, this is a pretty specific question, but one thing we talk about sometimes is like, are we telling the tenant that a, hey, there is a repair coming at Tuesday at two o'clock, just so you know, or are we asking the tenant, Hey, what's a good time for you for this repair to happen? Uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts on that of, of kind of a best practice and whether it sounds so nuanced, but it's actually kind of important because if you're telling someone from a scheduling perspective, you're just saying you're putting on the schedule. It's when the contractor can be there and you're telling them Tuesday, you got to be there at two o'clock. If you're asking them almost like you were putting an in internet, like a Comcast provider or someone, there's probably a better service there 
The flip side is it adds a ton of complexity on the coordination side of things. Yeah, so what, I'll just tell you what we see in the consumer market because I've realized the consumer market drives you know, a, a lot of what we see here. Consumer market is a lot more self-service now. So like anymore, if you need to go get your oil changed, um, you hop online, you can sit there and you know, pick your dealership, pick the time you're going, like you're very much in control of it. Um, even with home services, like um, any, any consumer grade home service where it's like somebody's coming out, you're picking a time. Right. Um, <clears throat> there's very much an ease of saying we're going to show up. But again, like if you're, if you're looking to retain the renters, like you need to treat them like they're a, a customer because you want them to keep paying that rent. You don't want them to churn. And yeah. so how do you make it, how do you make it solid for them? And so we see that shifting more that direction. The renters want to be home. And they're only home at certain times and you need to try and make it work for them. It's moving that direction. And, and some people don't care, but, but we see the consumer market doing that. Yeah. And I guess the emergency is probably like, look, if you've got a, a you know, problem that has to be fixed tomorrow, the, the tenant probably doesn't care and says, just get out here. Exactly. It, I, can, I can tell you. So the, one of the things that we say, so we, we track who, who requests to be home and who doesn't. Um, HVACs have a much higher percentage of people that are like, I don't need to be home. Just come fix it. But again, that, that, that tells of the emergency mentality. That's like, just get it done. But you know, the renters like, you know, privacy has become a big thing and people are worried someone's going to go ruffle through all their stuff. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen, but there's a concern there. And so the way that they uh, remediate that concern is by being home. Um, and so anyways, but yeah, it's, it's funny how it changes with, with the different, uh, level of uh so like uh leaky leaky toilet person's like i want to be home yep. but hvac they're like dude i need my air conditioning fixed <laughs> please make it not 80 degrees right now that's all i care about i want to be able to be inside my house <laughs> so that's so funny it uh it makes a lot of sense yeah. um well uh is there any other like interesting data or insights that you've pulled i mean our, you know, our podcast, we, we talked to a lot of investors, listen to this and, and use it for tips for how to invest or how to get better at, at you know, returns. Are, are there things that you've learned over the years that, that investors would find interesting? Yeah. So, so the only other thing I would say is the impact oftentimes on getting the quality of renter based on how the previous service has been rented, rendered it's actually really important to provide good service because you get quality people and there's multiple ways that it can show like if you've got an avenue to be rated maintenance is a, is a great way to, to that people voice frustrations. And so you'll end up getting lower quality. So if you deliver higher quality of service, it also improves your ability to get high quality renters, which is what you want. Hmm. So the people who stay, they treat the property. Well, you reduce your chance of eviction, um, like, so it's, there's that impact as well. It's a little bit tougher to measure. Um, but it's yeah. Have you started to, I mean, it's interesting, like you don't have the eviction data, but a company like, like our, like slight house prime management would have the eviction data. It'd be interesting to start to like correlate those together to see if, you know, happier tenants with better service have lower eviction rates. <clears throat> well, I, I can, I think, I think we could both answer that as a yes, but how much of it is it going to be an impact? Yeah, how strong is it? Yeah. Is, a, is, a, is a phenomenal thing. And it's like, that's where data, I mean, you can see like the interesting data that us at Property Milk collect um, is, is so, 
is so compelling because it just doesn't exist. And then we're starting to see interesting things that nobody else has seen in the past. Like, you know, we need it. We're sitting there going, quit talking three, three levels of severity, start talking five. So you can appropriately manage your resource to maximize your satisfaction. Like there's so much data out there and it's linking it all up to come up with some really good, compelling business cases to do something. Yeah. Wait, can I, can I uh, probe you a little more on that last one? So you were saying, you say severity, severity of the like leak basically, or, or the so, problem or. So, I mean, without going too much into it, most people like kind of treat things in three different ways. What is an emergency, non-emergency and what is cosmetic? Um, and so, you know, with the data that I just kind of talked about is you got three and a half days, you have four and a half days, you have five days. Um, we actually break it down into five categories, um, uh, that, that we think, and this has kind of been a newer messaging that we're putting out there is emergency, which is, mm -hmm. you know, like your flooding, yeah. um, you have your high priority, um, which is your HVAC that needs to be done in three days or less. Um, you got your five day priority, which is your, um, your, your plumbing and electrical type issues. You got your low pri priority, which is just, you know, lines are broke, whatever. Um, and then you got your cosmetic, which is, you know, fence, fences leaning um, <clears throat> in 30 days. And if you're not gonna do it in 30 days, just take it out of your system. But, but that sort of granularity allows your team to attack more efficiently, um, to sit there and go, this is what I need to look at and focus on, as opposed to just looking at it all and saying, hey, uh, I need to treat this all equally. So yeah. how do you maximize your resources as well as that satisfaction? Yeah, I love that. And uh, so on the cosmetic side, I mean, those are items that, that do typically get lower priority. Um, one thing we found is that sometimes low priority things just never happen. <laughs> um, and I, I like your approach to either do it in 30 days or just don't do it. Just tell them. Uh, like if you can't, you know, cosmetics are usually things that aren't included in the lease as a coverage item, right? And so it's it's the choice. So messaging is important for renters, again, to make sure that they feel valued um, even in the decision, um, which is always tough when you tell them, hey, we can't we can't do this. Um, but uh, but yeah, if it's not in the system, like if it's not going to get done, like take it out because it's just going to dilute your focus um, to make sure that you all, your team is getting those things. Um, done that need to be done in a, in a quick and timely manner. That's awesome. Um, do you, any, any thoughts on kind of uh, emergency coverage, holidays? I mean, are you seeing a growing, I know, we, so for example, we just opened up uh, basically, you know, full-time employees working weekends and even holidays now, which was a bit of a shift for us. Um, and it's just a, a, a way to try to get faster response on, you know, a lot of requests coming in on Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, you just had this, you know, barrage of, of work. Are you seeing an, an increase in, you know, uh, investors or management companies kind of being around during some of those non nine to five Monday through Friday hours? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so kind of as we've been like releasing data to the, to the public, um, that, that is making shift because the timer starts when they submit it. So if they submit it on a Saturday, it doesn't matter. Like um, if you answer it Monday morning, you're two days behind the eight ball. Right. And now you got to, now you got to work really freaking hard to get it done. So a lot of, a lot of companies um, are actually working towards providing more 24 seven type service um, or, or increasing the, the coverage areas that they're doing because that's, 
you know, that's going to be your only way to drive a positive experience. Because again, if something breaks on Saturday, even if it is an electrical, uh, you, you got five days. By the time you answer on Monday, you need to have it done by Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and you say answer. Point. I mean, if, if you're, I mean, this was the reality for us six months ago before we shifted to this kind of new model. If the request was put in Saturday on Monday, we're coming through, going through all the voicemails. We may not actually even get that voicemail till Monday afternoon. Yeah. You know, towards the end of the day, Monday, and then absolute best case. If everything is perfect, Tuesday, that job is getting done. Mm-hmm. But that that's like literally best case scenario. Yeah. The reality is that's usually pushed out a couple of days. And you can see how that's that's where some issues start to kind of come Yeah, because the, the timer starts when they submit it. Like, however, it, whether it's a voicemail, whether it's through an online portal, um, whether it's through an email, that's when the timer starts. So, yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing that we've found the strongest correlation to is timer repair and satisfaction. Yeah. And again, like tying it back to the business case, your satisfaction needs to be good or your return on investment is going to drop. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, any thoughts on preventative maintenance? Anything that um, you know you found in, in in doing this for so long now? So, so systematic uh, HVAC checks is something that's becoming pretty popular in the property management space because what it's doing is it's leveling out um, that severe increase. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, we see uh, interesting things like you know, it's like a hundred dollar, one hundred fifty dollar like service check. Um, but if it's done, they, they clean the condenser tubes, all that sort of stuff. If it levels that out, um, number one, like you're going to, you're going to be able to increase the overall satisfaction of your renters because your volume isn't insane. And, uh, also the thing is, it's a good investment usually because emergency HVAC callouts during that time of the year are super costly. And so, uh, doing some little upside early preventative, um, against uh, doing emergency dispatching is, is something that we're seeing happen a lot more in our industry. And I'm a, you know, I, I'm from the manufacturing side. I mean, preventative was everything. Yeah, we yeah. did everything to find the preventative way. And if there was a good preventative way, we spent big cash in that because emergency costs a lot more. 10 times. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I know we've, we've definitely rolled that out and that's helped a ton. Uh, it, to your point, it kind of it levels out the playing field of rather than all those requests hitting as soon as the temperature, you know, drops to 50 degrees or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what about frozen pipes? And do you see uh, more of a move towards various preventive things to prevent frozen pipes? I, I, I don't know as much information on that. Um, just, uh, you know, if I did, I'd be kind of making it up anecdotally. But the thing that I will say is it's not only just leveling it out. It really is a cost thing, right? Like um, the reason those preventative programs are really good is because even with busted pipes, um, you know, you've got a busted pipe is property damage. I mean, depending on how long it sits, yeah. it's huge money. And same with an HVAC call out on, on summer, um, it's big money. So if you can do those things up front or find ways to prevent those, um, usually almost in all cases, they're worth it. So you know, we, started, we started a program that it was kind of interesting and, and it, it seems like overkill, but for us, it's been really good. I mean, in our areas, the Mid-Atlantic, frozen pipes are, are really a concern only a couple of times a year. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, because you really need that, that low temperature that kind of holds for three to four days. And so what we've started to do is basically we will do a proactive check of any vacant unit 
if we're in one of those potential frozen pipe periods. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like overkill because you're, you know, you're ultimately, yeah, pay for this and someone has to go. And all we're asking them to do is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a one minute check, you know, yep. come in, in, check temperature. Right. And then, and then get out of there. And, and, and what we see is 95% or 98% are fine. And the 2%, there's always some other reason that led to it. They, they just mm-hmm. didn't know. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the oil boiler was out of oil. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, nobody knew because the unit's vacant and we haven't had a showing in four days because showings are a little bit lower when temperatures are that cold. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting how a preventive check like that has, has helped us anyway. Well, well, and you see, you see what smart home technology is even doing. I'll, I'll give you a personal example. I'm, I'm huge into smart home tech. There's enterprise level smart home tech that allows, you know, people to, to manage units on it. Right. But, but I, I obviously deal with consumer grade personally. But, you know, I've got a, I've got, I've had my basement flood, right? Like I had so much water coming in the window well. So I've got these little cheap sensors, battery power that tie into the home that tell me. And so we're seeing what's happening in smart home technology kind of as almost like an insurance, right? Um, and again, it's, it's tough. It's always tough to convince an, an investor, hey, I know it only happens to 2% of them, but when it happens, it's like $10,000. Yeah. So, yeah. so can you, can you afford it? You know, can you afford that kind of, that, that kind of bill hitting your door. And I mean, you, you take any insurance and that's how I kind of treat, you know, any preventative inspection like, like that you guys do um, is it's an insurance against major damage. And can you afford, I would rather pay somebody a little bit that I can afford rather than catastrophic damage. It's like, well, I've got uh, a life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. It's all to protect me from the big loss. Chance yeah. of it happening are not that big, but I can afford the little bit. I can't afford the financially catastrophic. Have you seen investors start moving towards home tech or is the tech still a little too expensive? <laughs> because it's interesting, something like an HVAC problem, you could potentially actually know was a problem before you even get the call from the tenant, right? Yeah. Oh, there's there's such cool tech out there. So so the problem exists is tying it back to why is this a good investment for me? Like as a consumer, like I have smart plugs in my house like tied to my deep freeze like I've, have you ever lost power and had your deep freeze go out yeah. it's literally the worst thing in the world <laughs> like man all of it, it hurts I, i've got leak detection sensors so i as a consumer know the value in saying hey i don't want the big loss i'm gonna invest a little bit right what happens is like we're we're saying and i, I don't smell tell uh, i obviously don't uh, sell smart home tech but i'm a huge fan of it um is saying hey this investment in this hub this investment in these leak detection sensors, these, this investment in that automatic thermostat control that can be controlled remotely are like super critical and is insurance against the big loss and getting those numbers to the investors. It's difficult, but more and more people are doing it for themselves yeah. personally and it helps translate into recognizing the value. Yeah, I guess it's, it's really just a, it's a, it's a function of cost, right? So as the, leak detection, you know, every year that tech is going to decrease in cost 20%. And at some point the cost is low enough, or 10% or whatever. At some mm-hmm. point the cost is low enough that it, it does make sense for everybody. Yeah. And, and that's also why it's really nice to, to be able to, you know, again, at scale property management firms can usually get tech at less yeah. and manage multiple units at a significantly lower rate, um, which is also valuable. But yeah, no, it's it's coming. I, I'm telling you, the future is your thermostat telling you your HVAC is performing less efficiently. 
it's automatically generating a service issue. Somebody's going out there at an off time that's not high dollar amount, doing some preventative things that's going to actually drive down costs. Yeah, um, leak protection awesome. centers, all those things. It's it's going to be it's going to be part of the investor's world one way or another in the next five years. That's great. Um, so Ray, I, I, I end these uh, podcasts. I ask people usually the same kind of a question, which is as you look towards the next like three to five years, mm-hmm. what are you kind of most excited about in the, either the maintenance space or kind of the investor space um, in, in, you know, in the world that you see, you know, what's something that you see kind of coming that, that you think is going to be a big kind of big game changer? So, so not necessarily excited about it, but uh, regulation is going to continue to be more and more a burden on investors. Um, we see rent control rolling out uh, in a lot of places natu- nationally. Um, you know, the, these protections, um, there's, there's lawyers that uh, roll around and, and find somebody who's doing something wrong so they can sue them. It's, it's becoming more and more burdensome to be uh, to one-offing it. Um, so I think in the next even five years, we're going to see what other countries have done when, when uh, approached with this, and we're going to see more uh, professionally managed um, properties here in the U.S. I think right now it's only about 20%, um, but it's moving aggressively upwards. And I think, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, it's, it's going to be something that's going to be tougher to manage and uh, from a liability standpoint. So, so, so it's so, I'm, I want to just dig a little more on this because it's such an interesting point. So I actually, when I started running a prime management company and I saw all the tech coming out, my initial hypothesis was actually different. I actually thought that tech would enable more people to be a manager themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, things like cozy where you can accept rent on, you know, in an app and stuff like that. Um, but what you're saying, and I, I, it makes a ton of sense to me, which is basically that as, as government controls increase and the cost of making a mistake increases, mm-hmm. that, that you know, whether it's, it's somewhere between 20 to 30% of units, rental units right now are managed by third-party companies, that, that you're basically saying, and, and maybe you're even seeing this, that number is shifting upwards as a function of really, mm-hmm. I guess one is the cost Mm-hmm. is probably lower than it ever was before to have a management company mm-hmm. due to the tech. And mm-hmm. then two, the cost of a mistake, I guess is what, what you're saying is probably higher and more mm-hmm. frequent than what it used to be. Yeah. We, we follow uh, like companies. I, I've got, uh, we got a property management firm in Portland. Oh, we've got a, obviously a few of them in Portland, but one of them that I've talked with about some of these regulatory issues in Portland is, you know, one of those places that's really going heavy into regulation and the, the compliance burden is significant. And some even property management firms are just folding up shop because it's too difficult um, to try and jump around the hoops to make things right. But you're 100% correct. It's because the cost of making mistake is, is life altering financially. And so like Australia is another example of what's happened. Um, Australia used to be very similar to the U.S., um, in terms of the amount professionally managed, and they're almost like ninety some percent managed professionally now. Wow, something crazy like that. Yeah, they're they're almost all they're almost all managed professionally for for that for regulatory reasons. Ray, man, you just uh, all sorts of awesome data, really cool insights, uh, covering all sorts of great stuff. Thanks a ton for joining today, and uh, so we're having this conference in April. 
rumor has it you're going to come out to the conference, the Millstead Hackers Conference. Um, I'm excited to be there. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. And, and people that – we didn't cover this, but uh, – so our conference is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, all right, basically central Pennsylvania, the Mid-Atlantic. You're not from the Mid-Atlantic, are you? No, but I did live in Baltimore for uh, a few years. Oh, I didn't so. know that. So I, we, we have that in common. Uh, but, so your, your company is based in South Dakota? Do I have yeah, that? Yeah, correct. Yeah, born in, born in Wyoming, uh, you know, went to school in South Dakota. I've lived in every time zone, um, most recently Denver and Baltimore. Um, were the recents, but yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in Baltimore. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, that'd be good. You get to get, you can swing by Baltimore on your way uh, <laughs> by our conference. Uh, hey, Ray, thanks so much for joining us. What's a good way for people to reach you if they uh, want to learn more about Property Meld or or you or what you're up to? Yeah, so if you're just interested in in, in maybe learning about you know what we Property Meld does, uh, you can reach us at info at propertymeld.com. Um, or if you want to reach me directly, ray at propertymel.com as well. It's awesome, man. Uh, look, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for taking the time. Well, real quick, is it so? Is it snowing out in Dakota yet, or when when does that happen? It's got to be soon, had to, right? You had to twist the knife, didn't you? <laughs> it had to be soon, so, right? <laughs> so it was 70 degrees yesterday, and uh, they're okay. expecting a, a slug of uh, snow tonight, tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm not ready, man. Oh, no. I'm not ready. But usually, I mean, it's, it almost never is snowy in Thanksgiving and you got a 50, 50 shot on Christmas. So it's not usually that bad. So I'm snow not in the second week of October, <laughs> South Dakota. All right. <laughs> thanks, Ray. Hey, I hey. appreciate taking the time. We'll see you soon. All right. Hey, thanks, Chad. All right. Thanks, man. That was great. Yeah, that was fun. I appreciate it. I was like, I was like, I, I love jamming with somebody that like just thinks like me. Like you've got that analog. You're like, hey, if we connect that eviction data and stuff, I'm like, all right, like I can't nerd out too hard, or these people like will like I'll lose them. I'll shoot over the bow. I'll be like, yeah, you can. Quit. And they're like, all right, this is boring. This doesn't interest me. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so we, we, first off, you were great, but yeah. So I mean, my my background's all in like basically data engineering, and oh. um, I like you know. I mean, there isn't some data thing. I mean, I don't like getting so granular that it doesn't get like, it can't be actionable, mm -hmm. but why wouldn't it be that hard to start to show some correlations that like uh, slower maintenance resolution has a high correlation with eviction, partially just because frankly, the kind of person who's going to pay their rent every month just doesn't want to deal with that. Right. Okay. Like, I'm going to show you something super cool. Um, so I was in Vegas yesterday um, doing a talk, actually, a rent manager user conference. And uh, so I've got a slide here that I find super phenomenal. And I'm, I, you know, obviously I work up to it. You're going to be able to connect the dots here. Um, can you see my screen? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so this gray teaked up line is the, uh, the per unit generation of service issues over the course of the year. January through December. Um, so you can see like in May it ticks up and then it goes down and there's like a slug that happens. It's kind of odd, but, <clears throat> but anyways, and then the, the like blue is actually, if zero is your average tenant rating across the year, the blue indicates how you're doing on your service issue ratings against your average. So there's a linear correlation between the volume of service issues and the uh, the satisfaction, and one of the things that I always ask them, like, who changes their staffing throughout the year? Nobody raises their hands, right? Like, 
So like you have the same amount of resources yeah. and you've got uh, more volume. So probably less follow up. And then it's like, what, what happens? Like all this stuff gets super clear when you have data to sit there and go, like, how do you manage this? And this um, is, but, this is January to December. Is that what we're looking at here? Yep. Like, so like the, the summer just naturally due to both high temperatures, but also turnover. Turn up. Yep, exactly. Turnover. Te like, you know, temperatures, HVAC is a big driver categorically, but the big stuff is turnovers, right? There's, that's when people move out and you can generate five to 10 service issues um, to get a year rent right again. <clears throat> and so it's a, it's a big mover in itself. But anyways, it's really cool. Like we started mapping this data. And, is this and your like, data or you, you stole this from somebody? No, this is, this is our data. There's meld data. I dude, I have like data on <clears throat> like uh, percentage of total things and how quickly they're completed that get a positive rating. Like I, anyways, dude, this I, is, I, this is, this is what I want you to do at our conference. This is awesome, yes. man. This is really, right. really good stuff. I, I can do it. It's uh, but this is the stuff I, I love doing. The problem is I run out of time. Like I, our database has so much information in the, and the tough part is like trying to have like, you got to have a little bit of a business mind to correlate what matters, right? Yeah, so I yeah. Sit there and be like, hey, like every time to acceptance, it's like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, so you got to sit there and go business case, what data do we have? And then find a yeah, way. Yeah. I, I, I geek out pretty hard. That's awesome, man. Um, I loved your days to resolution. We may steal that to put a, uh, basically like what percentage of cases are we doing that are under your kind of, reasonable data resolution mm. and, and make sure we're hitting that mark basically. So what you can do in property meld, if you want to, you can just actually like on a month basis, like total service issues completed last month and total service issues completed under five and a half days. And you can actually exclude low priority items. Um, so cool. you could, you could sit there and actually have that as like a running thing and just look as a percentage. Um, there's companies that we work with that their their KPI is a percentage of total work orders open and, and the total that are over seven days old. And it's like they manage their team and they say that percentage better be freaking low, you know. So anyway. It's awesome, man. Hey, right. this is really good. I know you guys have to do. I will talk soon. Thanks for uh, chatting. All right. All right, man. Good talking with you. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram, at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.